yo, yo, welcome to another edition of the Ramble Ramble Podcast. I'm your host, Corbin Ford. You can follow me on Twitter, at CorbinNBA. This is Sports Ethos presentation, so check out Sports Ethos on Twitter, at Sports Ethos online, sportsethos.com. Today is Thursday, the 4th of January, the year 2024. Had a great slate of NBA basketball last night going to make a brief little hitter as we cover each one, give you the scores, give you the games to look forward to tonight, and then get you out of here. So, without a moment's ado, I think that's how you say it, let's get to it. First game we're going to talk about. We're going to get the blowouts out of the way first. Um, it was a close game for, I'll tell you, a qu- two quarters and a half, but the Cleveland Cavaliers uh, eventually pulled away and blew out the Washington Wizards 140 to 101. That's not a typo, 140 to 101. Um, the main player for the Cavs, the one who really impacted them in a variety of ways, was Jared Allen. He wasn't a leading scorer, but he did finish the game with 17 points in addition to 19 rebounds and 7 assists. Messing around, almost got a triple-double, shot 70% shooting as well. Just finishing around the basket, alley-oops, cleanups, the whole nine. Um, in addition to him, you had multiple players, uh, six players, in, in, in fact, in double-digit scoring for Cleveland. So the leading scorer was actually Karis, um, not Karis Silver, um, was Max Struess with 24 points, a 9-13 shooting, 6 of 8 from 3, um, along with 4 rebounds and 3 assists. You had 22 points from Donovan Mitchell on 6-16 shooting, 4 of 9 from 3, 4 assists for him. Um, 15 points for George and Yang, along with 8 rebounds on 5 of 11 shooting from the field. This is off the bench in about 28 minutes of action. In just 23 minutes of action, Karis LeVert shot 21% on 50% from the field. 21 points, 5 rebounds, 5 assists, 9 of 18 shooting, 3 of 6 from 3. It was just too much, Cleveland. Um, and they shot a pretty decent percentage, too. 54% from the field, 47% from 3, um, 75% from the free throw line. Like, they did it all. Washington did not do it all. Washington started off, like I said, pretty even in pace with Cleveland. And as the game went on, they just lost it. Um, The leading scorer for the Wizards was Kyle Kuzma of 16. He was one of four players in double digits. Everyone else that was in double digits for Washington had 12 points. Daniel Gafford, 12 points on 6-8 shooting with 5 rebounds. Off the bench, Mike Muscala, 12 points on 5-9 shooting, 2-5 of from 3 with 5 rebounds as well. And then Corey Kispert, 12 points on 4-9 shooting, Four or six from the free throw line, missed every one of his five threes. And shooting the three ball was not something that the Wizards did well last night. They finished just 12 or 35. Not horrible, but given that they all attempted at least three, the percentages weren't super great. Denny Avdija, one of three. Kyle Kuzma, two of six for 16. Um, Jordan Poole, two of four. He was just three of 11 from the field in 22 minutes. He was a minus 22. So, I mean, there you go. Tyus Jones, one of two. Bilal Kulabali, one of four. You get what I'm going with here. So, just not a great game for the Wizards as they were shown a 39-point loss to Cleveland. Um, another game. The Mavericks just took the Blazers to town 126-97. Luka Doncic, 41 points, 6 rebounds, and 5 assists in a very tidy 30 minutes of action. 13-21 shooting, 4-7 of seven from the field, 11-14 from the free throw line. Kyrie Irving tossed in 29 points himself along with 9 rebounds and 5 assists. He was 10-19 from the field, 4-8 from 3. 8 points for Josh Green on 3-5 of five shooting, 4 rebounds and um, 2 steals. And then Derrick Jones Jr., 5 points. There wasn't a whole lot of scoring. Only other players in double digits outside of Kyrie and Luka 
where Tim Hardaway Jr., who had 14 points on 5 of 10 shooting, 2 of 5 from 3 off the bench. For the Blazers, they mustered up even less. Five players in double digits, that's great, but their leading score was Shaden Sharp with 16 points on 6 of 10 shooting, or 6 of 12 shooting, rather, 1 of 5 from 3. Um, Jeremy Grant and Tumani Kamara each chipped in with 10 points apiece um, a, a, a for the contest um, on a combined 7 of 17 shooting with a combined 3 of 7 from 3. Um, Ibu Baji uh, played... 14 minutes and was a minus 28. Could only grab four rebounds and four turnovers along with falling out. Anthony Simons, a minus 31 in 27 minutes. He was 5 of 16 from the field, 1 of 7 from 3. Five rebounds, three assists for him. And the Scoot Henderson came. He saw he got a minus 28. He had uh, seven points and seven assists with five rebounds. 2 of 11 shooting, 1 of 4 from 3. Just an uh, all-around bad contest for the Blazers who could only muster up 39% shooting from the field. 32% shooting from three, and were ultimately blown out from a much better Dallas team. But you hope to see, I don't know, a little more shots go in for the Portland Trailblazers. Speaking of teams you wish had more shots go in, um, the Brooklyn Nets. They lost to the Houston Rockets, excuse me, 112-101. to 101. Um, Just collectively, Brooklyn, again, 38% shooting from the field, 29% from three. In my mind... Listen, I don't know what's going on in terms of them not being able to buy a bucket consistently. In terms of just the, the minutes that are being played, you had the debacle early this week where, you know, Coach Jacques Vaughn was sitting um, players after the first quarter against Milwaukee. Like, in my mind, it's only a matter of time before you start looking at Coach Vaughn. Like, what's going on here? Because it's not like the Nets are just something. They're something. The vibe seems to be off. Their shot's not going in. It's not good. I mean, and yeah, the Nets don't have fantastic playoff you know, um, I don't even know, um, expectations, but still, like, you're a serviceable basketball team not playing serviceable basketball. That's something to think about. Um, for Brooklyn, your link score, if you want to call it that, was Cameron Johnson. I will say this. There was a pretty balanced <laughs> scoring effort for the Nets as they had seven players to double digits. Um, uh, Cameron Johnson had 15 points on 13 shots, six rebounds, and five assists. You had 15 points from Mikel Bridges on five of 18 shooting. Yikes. Three of 12 from three. Yikes. Four rebounds and three assists for him. 13 points for Royce O'Neal on 13 shots. 11 points on Spencer Din- for Spencer Dinwiddie. Three of five from the field. Two of three from three. Five assists as well. Off the bench in 20 minutes, you had Dayron Sharp, who had 11 points and 12 boards. And then um, Trenton Ra- Watford, excuse me, had 11 points on three of six shooting. Two of two from three. Um, Nick Claxton had double-double. 12 points, 13 rebounds uh, in 27 minutes of action. And that was really about it. Like I said, the Nets just did a horrible job of really staying in it in terms of making baskets at a high clip. It became a lot. Um, and then it, it kind of got close again, and ultimately the Nets went down again. Um, for Houston, 30 points for Alperin Shingun, who's been on a heater this past week and a half. Been a solid season all year for him. 30 points at 11-17 shooting, 8-10 of 10 from the field, 8 rebounds, 4 assists for him, 21 points and 10 assists for Fred Van Vliet, who is 7-9 from the field and 6-8 of eight from 3. You also had um, 14 points from Jalen Green, although on 15 shots, 3-9 from 3, 8 rebounds, 4 assists. I like the rebounds and assists. The shooting numbers, I mean, we can lose a little bit. Off the bench, 10 points for Men Thompson in 19 minutes, well, 20 minutes really, uh, 3 of 7 from the field, 1 of 3 from 3. Six rebounds as well. And then Cam Whitmore got some run in under eight, 17 minutes, had 11 points, two rebounds, and one assist for him. So the Houston Rockets, I mean, 
they were just a better team. They made 48% of their shots, 48% of their threes, and 70% of their free throws. They just brought more to the table. Shingun was a monster, and Brooklyn had no match for them. All right. Going to go into the next team here. We still got a few games left to break down, but I want to let y'all know I am recording this early this morning to get this ready for y'all for the day. Listen, it gets tiring. You know, pods, prep. I do some scouting work I'm really trying to work on for my own personal development. I'm trying to get guests on for Round Ball Ramble. I'm looking at the games for the breakdown the next day. I'm working a full-time job as well. There's a lot that goes into the day for me. And one thing I have to say that I really have come to not only enjoy but rely on is this product called Magic Mind. And y'all might be asking, what is Magic Mind? Well, let me let you ask let me ask you this in response. Have you ever had just a time when you want to do more? Be more efficient. Make the most of your day. I'm sure everyone wants to do it. It's the new year. Like this is a time where like, hey, yeah, I, I really want to grab the bull by the horns and get after it and make stuff happen. Well guess what? Magic Mind is this elixir elixir elixir. It's an elixir that will help you do just that. Um, I love it because it's really been something I can take with me anywhere I go. It's this very little shot with a power-packed formula that I can drink whenever I need a quick energy boost. And it, it, it's so easy. I incorporate it in my morning routine. It, it, it tastes great. It helps me to, you know, work a lot with my job and, and bouncing that with, okay, remember, taking your notes on the player you're watching this week or your podcast appearance here, whatever the case may be there. I'm not talking like I'm some successful podcast producer, but I am someone who does a lot because, you know, I want this to be something I do more. And if you want it to be something you do more, you got you to, gotta, I guess, live the life you want to have. I don't know. I'm not giving life advice here. I'm just telling you what to check out. Going back to Magic Mind. What I've done, I started drinking these green shots in the morning. Like I said, they help me so much to get in the right state of mind. I used to drink them in the car on the way to work. Like, even right now, I'm going to post this episode, get dressed, drive to work. That's when I drink it. And that will give me the energy I need to sustain me throughout the day. And I've noticed, one, it allows me to drink less coffee, which is great because I'm obnoxious with coffee. I'm just all over the place with it. And yes, coffee gives me the energy I need, but it also comes with the side effects of people thinking I'm a butthole. I guess there's the only way I can think of, like the only way I can describe it. I just talk too much. I'm all over the place. It's like a kid with candy. That's how I'm with coffee. Well, with Magic Mind, I don't need that, and I still get the great energy benefits from that. I'm more productive, excuse me, and I'm more focused. <clears throat> excuse me. And that's something that I've really come to value as I've really gotten into this week and looked at the amount of work I've been able to accomplish even up to this point so far. Um, What it also allows me to do, sometimes I'm really tired. I get another shot later in the day, and that is fine because Magic Mind allows me to sleep better. It's not heavy on caffeine, so you could take it in the afternoon without worrying about not being able to fall asleep at night. And I think that is very huge because so many of us who drink coffee later in the evening, like we're wired. Now, now guess what? We're up till 2 in the morning, right? Um, what I love about Magic Mind, though, is all of ing- all of its ingredients are all natural, um, and they're all helpful. They all work in combination with the other to bring the most out of you from an energy and health perspective. One of the main ingredients I enjoy is called matcha. Um, I'm sure y'all know what it is, matcha green tea, matcha smoothies, that green stuff. That's really all I knew before I started drinking this. And yeah, Magic Mind is green, too. So I was like, ah, the matcha, yeah. But matcha contains way less caffeine than coffee. And it also contains additional compounds that extend the benefits of caffeine by slowing your body's ability to absorb it, as well as additional compounds that reduce stress. So, like, you're getting all of it in one. And these work well together to prevent the spike in cortisol levels and the inevitable crash that comes from ingesting too much caffeine. So if you think about it, matcha is basically nature's extended-release version of caffeine in a format that you can take wherever you want and will get the most 
out of without any of the negative side effects. It sounds too good to be true. It might be too good to be true. I'm telling you that it is, but y'all may not believe me. And you know what? Y'all may be like, yeah, Corbin, you just got to say it for the pot. Nope. But it's fine. You can put it to the test. Put me to the test. Why? Because guess what? It's January. And right now, if you go to any Sprouts farmer's market across the country, you can find Magic Mind there. Just go to your local Sprouts. Talk to one of the people that work there. Tell them Corbin sent you. They won't know at all what that means. And that is just fine. I just want to hear that one time. Corbin sent you. Do that for me. I would appreciate it. But if you don't even want to do that, let's go to Magic Mind. Grab on yourself. Try it out. See what you think. And then, if you really do like it, go to www.magicmind.com. And get this. Slash Daily NBA. www.magicmind.com slash Daily NBA. And what you'll get from there is my code, Daily NBA 20. And what that will do is get you a subscription with up to 50% off. I'm trying to give you a discount right now. We're bringing this new year right. So try it out if you like, or just go straight to magicmind.com. Get yourself a discount because you know my word is gold and go from there. Your call either way, but definitely go to www.magicmind.com slash daily NBA 20 to get that. I'm sorry, daily NBA to get that. And then the code is daily NBA 20 because top of the NBA daily. One more time www.magicmind.com slash daily NBA. Magic Mind, get the most out of your day. All right, let's get back to breaking down some of these games. The Los Angeles Clippers came to Phoenix and beat the Phoenix Suns 131 to 122. It honestly was a blowout for the most part until Phoenix came back and made a game of it late. Um, Paul George scored 33 points. He shot 8 of 14 from the field. He went 5 of 10 from three-point range. James Harden had 22 points and 11 assists. And, yeah, the Clippers' offense, it was so, so smooth. Up until about, I'd say the final eight minutes of the fourth quarter against Phoenix, the Clippers shot 55% from the field. They shot 53% from three-point range. Efficient numbers all around. Um, They made a quick work of the Suns. They made quick work of the Suns, excuse me. They kept a comfortable lead throughout most of the second half and pushed the advantage up to 23 points midway through the third. But then the Suns made a big run in the fourth quarter and cut it to an eight-point game, 118-110 to with about five minutes remaining. Then Norman Powell hit a three. Um, he finished with 13 points off the bench. That really helped the Clippers regain control. And it was a surprisingly close game in the fourth quarter for a game that had zero lead changes and zero ties. And that's just because, yeah, for the most part, the Clippers controlled the action. Already mentioned Paul George did a sufficient night. He was really the catalyst for the Clippers win. But just had 30 points from Kawhi Leonard on 9 of 16 shooting. He shot four, he made four of his six threes with eight rebounds as well. In his second game back after missing the last seven um, with that hip injury, you had 22 points from James Harden. I already mentioned now in the 7 of 13 shooting, 4 of 7 from 3. Terrence Mann had double-digit scoring, uh, 5 of 8 from the field, 2 of 4 from 3. And then Norman Powell with the 13. That was it. Um, Russell Westbrook, in, in under 19 minutes of action, finished with 6 points, 5 rebounds, 2 assists, um, didn't shoot the ball particularly well. And then Daniel Tice, he's not really a big shooter like that, uh, 6 points in 20 minutes on 3 of 5 shooting. That was it. Amir Coffey made his only shot, and that was literally the bench. Uh, Coach Ty Lue ran a very tight rotation um, with all of the starters logging heavy minutes except for Terrence Mann, who got – uh, 22, and he split his minutes with Russ and Amir Coffey, and then and Norman Powell, and then um, Avicii Zubak also split his time with Daniel Tice and Coffey. So a little bit of of time there, but for the most part, yeah, this was the the core eight for the Clippers. And speaking of that, I'm definitely curious as to where PJ Tucker ultimately goes. I feel like he's going to be moved 
come the deadline for sure. He has to. He wants to play. He's not playing. He hasn't played the last, like, at least seven, eight games. So definitely want to know where he goes and how he impacts our team because he doesn't want to play. And I'm not really sure how he's not getting run on this team. Like, I get him not getting extended minutes for sure, but I don't know. I just feel like he could play. Even if he's a total non-entity at, at, at offense, I still think his defensive versatility and his ability to play with Harden and Russ and Kawhi and PG is helpful. And I don't think I'm crazy for thinking that. So, I don't know. For the Suns, though, Devin Booker led the way with 35 points on 11 of 15, shooting 5 of 8 from 3, 8 of 9 from the free throw line. He had 17 points in the third quarter alone. He definitely went off there and was a big reason why the Suns even made it sort of a game at the end. Um, Bradley Beal in 40 minutes of action. Coach Vogel was playing. No games with Beal. Had 21 points, 5 rebounds, and 4 assists, but he did not shoot the ball well at all. Uh, 21 points on 20 shots, missed every one of the six three-pointers that he took. Um, thank goodness he made his free throw shots and had five rebounds and four assists, but that was all for him. Yusuf Nurkic, uh, nine points and six rebounds in 25 minutes of action. Chemezi Metu had seven points and three boards, three of six from the field, one of four from three. And then Grayson Allen, who actually had a really solid first half and then kind of disappeared in the second half, had 10 points, four rebounds, and three assists on four nine from the field, two of four from three. Bobo got some time. Free my man Bobo, y'all. Free Bobo. 14 points, 5 rebounds, 2 assists. He was 6-7 from the field and made both of his threes. One of them was actually a semi-big one in the fourth quarter. I'm not sure what lineups you're going to deploy him in because, yeah, he's not a physical guy in terms of being a center. Um, we saw him match up on Zubak late in the game, and Zubak kind of got what he wanted, getting the free throw line or making a bucket. But he is someone I think could be like a stretch four. I mean, he's so tall, man. Like, yeah, you're not running your offense around him, but he can shoot the ball. Bobo can definitely stretch the floor out. I think that's something you should use. And then Josh Kogi, um, just under 60 minutes of action, five points, two rebounds, one assist. Definitely made more of an impact on the defensive end. Had a nice block on James Harden, just good activity around the basket. But, you know, around the basket defensively, rather. But, yeah, he's not he's not a scorer, low-volume guy. You kind of know what you're getting from him offensively. Um, ultimately, Kevin Durant did not play in this game. Uh, still had that hamstring injury. I wish he did. I really want to see the Suns with a healthy big three just for my own viewing entertainment, but also I want to see them play in a very good team. I think if you had Kawhi Leonard, PG, and Harden, and you had uh, Book Booker, Beal, and Durant, now, now you got something interesting. Maybe it's an actual close game down the end instead of what it ended up being, which was like a glorified, you know, what, 11, nine-point loss, but it really wasn't that if you watched most of the game. I don't know. Just my thoughts. Speaking of just my thoughts... Man, the Lakers need to change it up. Lakers need to change it up. Lakers are now 17 and 18, under 500. Um, they've just been slumping since the playing tournament. They hosted the Miami Heat at home last night and got killed, losing 110 to 96. Um, Anthony Davis put up decent numbers for the Lakers. 29 points, 17 rebounds, six assists for him. But ultimately, the Lakers can't shoot. Like, the Lakers can't shoot. I don't know why. If you look at their roster, I would think Austin Reeves could shoot the ball. I would think Torian Prince could shoot the ball. Uh, LeBron James is shooting 40% from three this season. Well, not anymore after last night's performance. Max Christie, you feel like, could shoot the ball. Christian Wood could shoot the ball. And yet, somehow, some way, the Lakers mustered just 42% from the field. Just 13% from three. Yep, not a typo. 1-3 from the three-point line. They shot 4 of 30 from three. The Miami Heat made more three-pointers in the fourth quarter than the Los Angeles Lakers made all game long. In addition to that, they were turning over the ball like I turned over a, a hot potato out of the microwave. 21 turnovers. 10 in the first half alone. 
Like, what are we doing? It was insane. The numbers for this are ugly. Anthony Davis was like the one guy who looked mad decent. I would say him and Austin Reeves. 29 for 80. I already mentioned the rebounds and assists. 10 of 17 from the field. 9 of 10 from the free throw line. Like, great. Austin Reeves, 35 minutes. 24 points. 7 of 12 from the field. 2 of 6 from 3. 8 of 9 from the free throw line. 5 rebounds. 8 assists. Great. I guess Max Christie. Nope. Max Christie, 14 points on 5 of 12. That's not super great. Christian Wood, 13 points on 5 of 10. That's okay. And now we get to the uglies. Cam Reddish, in under 20 minutes of action. Just got some cardio in, y'all. Four turnovers, one assist. Missed his only shot. It was a three. Shooting under 30% from three. That's it for Cam Reddish. LeBron James, 38 minutes, minus 20, 12 points, nine assists, six rebounds, six to 18 from the field. Took six threes, didn't make a one. Toyin Prince, a minus 14. He also got some cardio in with Cam Reddish. 28 minutes, Zero points, two fouls, one turnover, five rebounds, two assists, took five, uh, took six shots, missed them all, took five threes. You know what I'm about to say. Missed every one of them. Like, that's not great. Jaron Vanderbilt got 16 minutes, two of three from the field, but it was really impactful. Two rebounds didn't really do a whole lot. Like, this was horrible. And, and, and to make matters worse, you lose a game by 14. Like, you were in it, but not really in it. You had a run. The Lakers had a run late in the third quarter that was, like, within seven. And then Miami was like, nah, let's put the claims back on it. And, like, yeah, you're missing Rui Hachimura and D'Angelo Russell. But to hear Coach um, Darvin Ham talk about injuries and we're not going to be great until we're healthy, I'm sorry. LeBron and AD are healthy. Like, those are your big guys. If LeBron and AD aren't healthy, it doesn't matter what you do. You're trying to tell me that if you don't have D'Lo and, and Rui Hachimura, like, you're going to just sustain horrific losses? Because I'm not buying that. If you're trying to sell it to me, I'm good. I'm good. I don't understand that. I'm just saying. Austin Reeves, I mean, come on. The star of the summer, the darling of the NBA during the summer. I mean, he played well this time, but his role has been in flux all season long. And he did have a rough start to begin with. So I'm not buying that either. Like, I need more here. And injuries are not an excuse. It's a lack of urgency. It's sloppy play. It's not being able to shoot the ball. I hate to say this, but yes, a trade probably needs to happen. And I really wanted to value continuity for this Lakers team. I did, because if you look at it, they've had changes ever since they won the, ta- the championship. In 2020-2021, they went and got what? Um, Dennis Schroeder and Mark Gasol, which I actually liked, and Montrezl Harrell to lean more into the offensive end. That didn't work out well. They made the big Russell Westbrook trade, and obviously we know how that worked out. They kept that for half a season. Russ and the old guys who were about to be out the league the very next year. Then they turned back and made the big move to bring in, you know, a Jared Vanderbilt and a Rui Hachimura and a D'Angelo Russell. We saw what happened there. Like, every year has been a series of change. I would love for there to be some continuity from one end to the other around LeBron AD. I don't think that's going to happen this year. And if it does, that's not, if it doesn't, that's not going to be a good thing. It just won't be because this team is not good. You are not telling me the loss of Gabe Vincent, who was shooting like 11% from three before he left, is that impactful for the Lakers. Like you haven't had Gabe Vincent all year. And I feel like there's been very little adjustment in that. I, I just, I don't know what to say except that it's ridiculous. That's that's my rant on the Lakers here. Something needs to happen. Injuries are an excuse. LeBron left without speaking to reporters. If I shot the way I, he did, I also would have left without speaking to anybody, I guess. I don't know. I, I wouldn't have spoke to myself. Like, I don't really get what's going on here. But it's ridiculous. And I think I spent too much time talking with the Lakers. I just wanted to share my thoughts because it's getting out of hand. Like, they're not a good basketball team. It's time to look in the mirror and admit that you were just not a good basketball team. Is Miami Heat a good basketball team? I mean, yeah, I think they're pretty decent considering the injuries they've had. Jimmy Butler, again, did not play. 
um, due to that foot injury that he has, neither did Caleb Martin, uh, Hayward Highsmith, or Drew Smith. But the ones who showed up, like Coach Eric Spolster said two nights ago, came and played, and they played decently well. Let me tell you this. Eight players, eight players got significant run for the Miami Heat, and that means at least 20 minutes of action. Every player scored in double digits for Miami. Every player who got at least 20 minutes of action scored double digits. And then everyone got to play for Miami except for Thomas Bryant. Shout out to Thomas Bryant. Um, who led the way? I mean, it was a balanced team effort. And I don't mean that as a cliche. But if we have to go by the leading score, uh, Hami Hotcast had 16 points on 14 shots. 7 of 14 from the field, 2 of 6 from 3. You had 15 points apiece from Nikola Jovic and Bam Adebayo. Jovic was a lot more efficient. 6 of 11 from the field, 3 of 5 from 3, 8 rebounds and 1 assist. Um, while Bam Adebayo was 5 of 14 from the field. I like that he's been taking more threes. He took a 3 um Against the Lakers, he took a three, two threes a couple nights ago against the Clippers. He hasn't made one yet, but it's nice to see him at least attempting to stretch out a little bit. He was 5 of 6 from the free throw line. He had 7 rebounds and 5 assists. Off the bench, 13 points for Duncan Robinson. 5 of 14 from the field, not great shooting. 3 of 12 from 3, um, 2 assists for him. Then you had 10 points from Josh Richardson. 4 of 7 from the field, 2 of 3 from 3. 10 points from Kevin Love. Um... And uh, as far as your starters, Kyle Lowry had 10 points as well, along with the 6 assists. Uh, Tyler Hero, my fault. I don't know why I mentioned Jaime Hawkins as a leader. It wasn't. It was Tyler Hero. Um, 7-19 from the field with thir- for 36%. 4-8 of eight from 3. 6 rebounds and 4 assists. Like, the Heat have been playing decently. <clears throat> like, I don't think... I wouldn't say Tyler Hero's been great in his last stretch of games. Bam Adebayo's been decent, but he's not been great. But they found just enough all over to win. They're not, like, a struggling team. They're just more of a balanced team effort type of basketball team. An Eric Spolstra-led team, if it were. Which they are. Um, they shot 44% from the field, 38% from three as a team. They just outclassed the Lakers completely and utterly. And the Lakers need to take a long, hard look in the mirror or do something. Not really sure. Raptors beat the Grizzlies 116-111. to Manuel quickly led the way with 26 points, three rebounds, and five assists, um, which was more than enough for John Morant's 28-8-9. Um, ultimately, the Grizzlies were kind of out of it from the beginning. I mean, uh... Pascal Siakam and Scotty Barnes combined for 44 points, um, along with nine rebounds and eight assists. Okay, the nine rebounds, Pascal had seven of them, Scotty had two, where Scotty had eight assists and Pascal had zero. So the combining is funny there. But those were your big catalysts behind Emmanuel quickly. And ultimately, yeah, this wasn't really a game the Grizzlies were all the way in. They shot pretty decently. They made a big run late. Jaron Jackson Jr. was a big part of that. He had 24 points. Um, 7-18 from the field, 4-8 of eight from 3. He knocked down uh, two big ones toward the, I would say, the, the, the crunch time of the fourth quarter to kind of make it a little bit of a game, but that was it. Um, ultimately, yeah, Marcus March shot 2 of 10. That's not great. Um, your bench didn't really give you a whole lot outside of Zaire Williams, and yeah, it was really on John Morant, Desmond Bain, and Jaron Jackson Jr. to make it happen, and they weren't able to do it by themselves. Bull, uh, the Bulls and Knicks game, the first game on ABC primetime, was pretty close to start, but ultimately the Knicks were like, oh, wait, we got this, and they beat the Bulls 116-100. to New York was led by Jalen Brunson, who had a double-double, 31 points and 13 assists. Um, the Knicks as a unit, I mean, it was Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle. That were your big, big catalysts for victory. Julius Randle led the way in scoring. 35 points, 6 rebounds, 4 assists. Uh, 56% shooting from the field. Made three three-pointers as well. But you had help. 
You had 11 points from Dante DiVincenzo, 11 points from OGN and Obi, um, 10 points from Isaiah Hartenstein. It was a nice balanced scoring, scoring performance, um, and it was more than enough for Chicago, who they were led by DeMar DeRozan, who, free DeMar DeRozan, y'all. I don't know what to say. Like, get him somewhere else. He had 28 points, three rebounds, four assists. He usually plays well in Madison Square Garden. He was 10 of 13 from the field, made three of four from three. Not really a big shooting uh, player we know from three DeMar DeRozan, but he was last night. Good to see that. Uh, but it wasn't enough. 26 points for Kobe White. Uh, 9 and 19 from the field. 6 of 9 from 3. We did wonder um, after the last show if he would come back and play. And he did. And he played very well. Um, but after that, 13 points from Alex Caruso. 13 points from Andre Drummond. And that is all, folks. Just not enough from Chicago there to get them the victory. And they definitely faded late in the game. Um, in a thrilling overtime win, the Utah Jazz beat the Detroit Pistons. 154 to 148. That was definitely one where the scoring was off the roof. Jordan Clarkson led the way, 36 points, six rebounds, and three assists. Cade Cunningham led the way for Detroit, 31 points, five rebounds, 13 assists. Detroit had some big scores in this one because even with Cade Cunningham throwing in 31, he wasn't the leading scorer for Detroit. It was actually Bojan Bogdanovic who had 36 points, seven rebounds, and five assists. The dude knocked down eight three pointers, shot 50% from the field, just really solid play for him. Um, Jalen Duran had 17 points and 10 rebounds. Another double-double for the monster there. And yeah, even off the bench, Alec Burks in 34 minutes of action, 27 points and 4 rebounds. It just wasn't enough. For Utah, not only you had the 36 from Jordan Clarkson, you had the 25 points and 4 assists from Colin Sexton. You had the 31 from Larry Markinen along with 7 rebounds. And then a good game from Simone Fontecchio, 16 points, 7 rebounds, Four assists. Um, Bojan Bogdanovic did send it to OT because Utah looked like they were going to take this game in a close one in regulation. But Bogdanovic said, nah, fam, we're going to try to get us a win here. We don't want to go, you know, and finish, you know, three and 31. We ain't trying to do that. Um, but they did. So ultimately, just a good game for both teams. Uh, Pistons just faded down the stretch. Speaking of a team that faded down the stretch, we got to talk about the Pacers beating the Bucks 142 to 130. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton, 31 points, 12 assists, not a single turnover again. He's been a monster from the assist-to-turnover ratio. Like, yeah, the Pacers pulled away and beat the Bucks, who they played for like the 35th time this season. Um, Giannis had 26 points, 11 rebounds, and 8 assists, but it was not enough. You had a really cool Damian Lillard one-handed dunk. It was not enough. You had Chris Middleton with 19 points. Um, Brooke Lopez with 16. It wasn't enough. Like, Ultimately, the Bucks, are, the Pacers are in a good matchup for the Bucks. I think it's clear to say that the Pacers have the Bucks number. Now, can they get it done in the playoff series? Maybe not. Can they do it with the 76ers and you know the Celtics? Maybe not. But when it comes to Milwaukee, Indiana feels very confident, and they have good reason to. They've just been a matchup nightmare for the Bucks in various ways, whether it's Tyrese Halliburton going off, whether it's Miles Turner being more engaged and active and stretching the floor and making plays around the rim. Jalen Smith was in the starting lineup, and his length um, and activity helped as well. Aaron Neesmith has been a solid player, you know, knocking down shots and, and being an irritant and, and an overall hard-working lunch pail forward. Like, bending Matherin off the bench, you know, Obi Toppin. Like, it's been a lot of good play from these Pacers, and the Bucks have just had very little answers against them in each in every one of the matchups that they've had between these two teams. So I, I definitely wonder how it's going to go. I'd love to see a playoff series with these two, which is the Bucks' intensity picked up and the Pacers' confidence high. I think that would be really, really cool. Uh, Pelicans beat the Timberwolves 117-106. Zion Williamson, 27 points, 4 rebounds, and 6 assists. They also had good games from C.J. McCollum 
and Brandon Ingram. And when all three are rolling for New Orleans, it's tough to beat them, even for the best team in the West, the Minnesota Timberwolves, who are led by Anthony Edwards, 35 points, four rebounds, and five assists. But aside from that, wasn't a whole lot else going on. Just 22 points for Carl Anthony Towns on 19 shots. 11 points for Jaden McDaniels on 10 shots. And that was it for your double-digit Wolves scoring. Just wasn't enough there. Um, and like I said, when the Pelicans guys are healthy, they're a very good team. Just a very, very dangerous team. All right, two more games here. Um, both of these were arguably the games of the night. Oklahoma City Thunder lost to the Atlanta Hawks 141 to 138. Uh, the Hawks went on a big run to take the lead. They had control of the game for the most part. And then Oklahoma City stormed back late in the third, in through the fourth, and made it a close game. Isaiah Joe had a chance to send to OT, and he just missed a three. Um, but ultimately, Atlanta opened the game with 11 straight points, and they never trailed. It was, again, like Phoenix and Los Angeles. It got close late, but there were zero lead changes, zero ties. Um, Trey Young had 24 points and 11 assists. He was one of four Hawks players who scored more than 20. Bogdan Bogdanovich added 23. DeJounte Murray had 22. For the Thunder, Shea Gilgis Alexander had 33 points and 13 rebounds. And Jalen Smith, uh, Jalen Williams, rather, added 21. Um, but the real Jalen of the show last night was Jalen Johnson, who scored a career had 28 points. Um, and yeah, he just had an amazing game. He had a huge dunk. Over Chet Holmgren, he knocked down a, a three. Like, Jalen Johnson, I mean, I've loved his play this season. Definitely, in my mind, most improved player, um, or one of the candidates for most improved player. We'll talk about that in a future show. But he was just a monster. Um, and I love the efficiency and just the way he plays in general. Defensive activity, all of it. It was just very, very cool to see. All right, last game. Two overtimes. Late into the night. Both teams on the second half of back-to-back. So they went to two overtimes to equal that. But the Sacramento Kings outlasted the Orlando Magic 138 to 135. What a monstrous game that was. DeMontis Bonus ended up with a triple-double in the good kind, unlike his one against uh, Charlotte. He had 22 points, 23 rebounds, and 12 assists. Um, the main guy for the Kings last night was Malik Monk. My guy, Malik Monk. Wish he was a Laker, Malik Monk. 37 points, 9 assists, 12 of 20 from the field, 7 of 13 from 3. One of five kings in double digits, along with Sabonis. You had 28 points from Keegan Murray. Love that chant in Sacramento. He had 28 points and 12 rebounds. You had 17 points from Harrison Barnes on five of nine and uh, shooting in four of six from three. You had 10 points from Trey Lyles. And all of, and then 15 points from Aaron Fox, who did not have a good game. On my fault, you had six players in double digits for the Kings. 15 points for Darren Fox. He did not have a great game. 6-22 from the field. 0-5 from three. Did have seven assists. You wonder if it was just the intensity with which he played with last night or the night before against Charlotte or whatever it was. But he just wasn't really a factor, especially down the stretch. In the fourth quarter in OT, it was the Malik Monk and um, DeMontis Sabonis show. I love that you know Malik Monk is able to come in, play 46 big minutes, and able to give that kind of offensive engine that secondary offensive engine where he really assumed more of a role for Sacramento it's really cool to see there um for Orlando listen good balance play eh, you had everyone chipping in a little bit here and there Chumo Kiki had a big fourth quarter 11 points on four or five shooting three or four from three I know I'm starting with Chumo Kiki because the guy we're really gonna start with and center is Paolo Bancaro career high 43 points his jumper was on, 13-25 from the field, 6-9 of nine from 3, 11-14 from the free throw line. He had a really clutch basket to send it to OT. That probably shouldn't have counted because 
uh, a previous turnover that wasn't called on him should have been. But who cares? I mean, I don't really care. I think it all worked out the way it should have. 43 points, 4 rebounds, 5 assists, some big threes. Really kept the Magic in it, especially late in the game when the only ones who could consistently put the ball in the basket was Ben Carroll and Jalen Suggs. Jalen Suggs, his intensity, man. He played 39 big minutes, 24 points, 6 three-pointers. Three rebounds, three rebounds, four assists. He was a big reason why Darren Fox had a rough night. Like, yes, Darren Fox might have been a little bit fatigued, but you were not getting a day off with Jalen Suggs on you. That was not going to happen. It did not happen last night. What an amazing game for Jalen Suggs. Um, what an amazing game for Paulo Bancaro and for the Magic in general. I feel bad they had a loss because they had shot 48% from the field, shot 56% from three, made a franchise-high 25 three-pointers. Yeah, that's better than their crazy three-point happy days of the early 2010s. Franchise high, 25 three-pointers, 56% from three, and they still lost. Um, two, yeah, you know, albeit more explosive Kings offense, but still, just a rough way to go um, if you're the Orlando Magic. But you got to hold your head up high. They are a team to be reckoned with, and Paolo Bancaro, man, he is dangerous. Like, he was on it. I'm looking at him. I'm like, this dude is just a beast. Like, this dude is just a beast. All right, anyways, that is last night's late action. Going into tonight's games, we got just two on TNT. Bucks will be playing the Spurs. It's really just Giannis and Wembenyama that the matchup is, but I'm not excited about that game. Bucks are 24 and 10. Spurs are 5 and 28. Hopefully, we get some good highlights between the two, you know, NBA unicorns. I guess that'll be nice, but we'll see. I'm still gonna watch it, but we'll see. And then 10 o'clock Eastern, uh, the Nuggets will be playing the Warriors. That'll be interesting. The Warriors, you know, trying to climb back and, and take a game in Golden State against a team in Denver who beat them, you know, in Christmas Day. And that's always a fun matchup between those two and has been for about a half a decade. So, yeah, that'll be fun to watch. But that is it for tonight's games. So I look forward to talking to y'all tomorrow, just recapping that and maybe talking about some other topics as well. We will see. But this does it here for another edition of Ramble Ramble. So I'm going to get y'all out on the road. I hope wherever y'all are, whoever y'all may be, that y'all have a wonderful day. I appreciate y'all listening. Really, really do. Again, check out Magic Mind, um, www.magicmind.com slash dailyNBA20. Get yourself that discount, y'all. Check myself out on Twitter at CorbinNBA. Check out Sports Ethos on Twitter at Sports Ethos, online sportsethos.com. And yeah, that'll just about do it, y'all. So, as always, I am Frosty. Y'all stay Frosty, and I'll talk to y'all tomorrow. All right, y'all.